Can a family of 16, yep, that's right, 14 kids and two parents, live without debt? Not only that, can they end up retiring early? The answer is yes, and today's guest is breaking down her story. Stay tuned. Welcome to the WalletWin Podcast. Each week, we take a look at a different piece of the personal finance puzzle. I'm Jonathan Texera. And I'm Amanda Texera. We're your guides on your journey to getting out of debt, building wealth, and changing the world through generosity. Here we go. Y'all, I am so excited for you to listen into today's episode. It's with Sam Fatzinger, author of A Catholic Guide to Spending Less and Living More, whose book is actually hot off the press and due out later this week. Our conversation was a whole lot of fun because, as many of you know, Jonathan and I are Catholic, and there are not a whole lot of Catholic money nerds out there to talk shop with, so it was really fun to have new pals who share in our passion of faith and of finance. It was also really inspiring to hear Sam's stories about what is possible when you stop looking at the dollars and cents to tell you what you can or can't do, and you start asking yourself how you can make your dreams a reality. That question, how can you do it differently, that's when the magic happens, and the fat singers are a great example of that innovative spirit. Lastly, while Sam and I are both Catholic and we reference our faith a good bit in the show, I know that some of you are coming from a different perspective, and I respect that. You don't have to be Catholic in order to learn from her story or be inspired. So without further ado, here's the show. Enjoy. All right, everybody. I am thrilled to be having this conversation today with Sam Fatzinger. We are going to be talking about so many goodies um, relating to family finance. So thank you so much, Sam, for making time to be on the Wallowin podcast today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's so nice to talk to someone like-minded who likes to talk about saving money and how to do it and helping families. Can you um, share with us, I know that right now you are writing a book. Can you talk more about what it is that you are going to be sharing in that book when it rolls out? Yeah, so our book comes out in the spring with Ave Maria Press. It's called The Catholic Guide to Saving More and Spending Less. And we are excited for it coming out, especially during this time of pandemic financial crises for many families. We are happy to finally get to share with families how to do it, how to do it with a large family, how to do it on a single income, how to do it with, you know, just living in an area. We live in the uh, Maryland in the Washington area, which is, you know, kind of expensive to live. So we want people to know Mm -hmm. it's possible to do this, to raise a family, to, to be a strong Catholic family and to live debt-free. And my husband's trying to retire early, which, you know, it's unheard of right now. Yeah. But we're trying our best to find ways to help others know that it is possible. That's awesome. Um, So when I initially had heard about you um, and your family, someone had linked uh, a news article to an interview that you guys had done a couple of years ago about how you Um, you know, you have 13 kids and your plan is to help set your kids up for success so that they can pursue a college education without needing debt. Um, And then in the article, it also talked about just so many um, ways that your family has found 
to be intentional with your money, but not living lives of complete deprivation. And I think both of these things fly in the face of a lot of common thoughts and beliefs out there around money. I think that people assume that even if you have one kid, like there's no way they're not taking college loans. And then they think even in a small family, you know, kids are expensive and there's there's no way to live a life without debt. Um, so can you share about how you guys decided that you wanted to do it differently? Yes. So it kind of just has been our the way we've always lived. But we did have the Washington Post, which was a really big deal at the time. It was four years ago, came out uh, August 11th in 2016, and it was called How One Family is Sending 13 Kids to College, Living Debt-Free, and Still Plans to Retire Early. So that Love came that. out right when we actually, that day, so August 11th, we had had uh, our 14th child with us for a week. He's um, We've had him for four years. He is a uh, considered right now a, still kind of like a foster baby, a foster four-year-old. So we've had him sure. for four years. And at that time we had had him for a week when the article finally came out. So we added a bonus baby uh, to number 14. <laughs> and, and when the article came out, I felt like she did a really good job and we got, there was like over 16,000 comments. And of course they tell wow. you, don't, don't read the comments. <laughs> and uh, here I am with a one week old, you know, feeding him at three in the morning. And you know, what do I do? <laughs> I start scrolling and scrolling and I'm like, here we are holding this, you know, ba a lot of the, a lot of the comments were very negative. Uh, there mm. might have been like 20 positive comments. Everybody else was horrible. Those wow. trolls were out. And a lot of it was about, you know, these this family, is, you know, sucks on society and they just ask for things and take stuff from people. And, and they totally missed the whole purpose of how our mm -hmm. town is set up, how our church is set up, how our friends are. We've lived in this town our whole life and I'm the youngest of nine. So we have a huge support network. So, you know, I've lived in this yeah. town for 52 years. And if you didn't know me, you knew one of my brothers or sisters, people are constantly like, Hey, just drop it off at that house. Someone in that house will fit that or wear that or use that. So we would always get bikes and roller skates and bags of clothes and, you know, a couch and a piano and a rocking chair and all those things, you know, it was just amazing. And then whenever I did need something, we would just, you know, ask our friends or put it on my Facebook page. And 90% of the time we got exactly what we needed and better than we ever expected. So that's mm -hmm. just the way our town is. We have a huge free cycle program. We have a huge network of friends like, Hey, who needs, you know, size four boots. And it's just the way we rock. And then, and I was so sad that all these people who were making these horrible comments didn't have that support you know, our church is huge and such a big part of our life. And we're always looking out for each other. And I'm so sad for people who don't have that. So totally. kind of, oh, I was going to yeah. say, I think that that's how society used to function was that you took care of each other and it wasn't just everyone on their out for their themselves and on their own. Yes. And we have, so we, I tell everybody, move to Bowie, Maryland. We have a huge <laughs> network with our parish. We have a huge homeschooling community. People laugh about my neighborhood because it's got, 
we have 14 kids, the people around the corner have 13, the people down the street have 10, the people across the road have 12. It's just like Mayberry. It's awesome. We love it. Kids riding their bikes to confession together, outdoor rosary groups. It's just amazing. Little processions we have. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. And we are so blessed to have that. It's huge support, especially now when a lot of social activities are canceled, that we still have this little network going. So they made a big deal because our, at the time we had, our kids were graduating from college debt free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right now, our ninth child is in her freshman year of college. We have seven graduated. My oldest child is turning 31. And she, it, we're also blessed that all of our kids and our seven grandchildren all live in Maryland. So I'm pinching myself and holding my breath to keep that mm-hmm. as long as I possibly can. So. Uh, she not only graduated from college at free, she graduated early with a special program to get her master's degree in social work. And she graduated with a special program that paid for her master's program if she worked in the state of Maryland in a certain county for a couple of years as a social worker. That's amazing. So she, yes. So she, oldest child, oldest girl. I can't say anything else. She's amazing. But <laughs> she she pretty much raised herself and everybody else. Uh, she did a wonderful job of being a great example to everybody else. So she graduated with minimal debt, if any at all. She got so many scholarships. Of course, she was the oldest of 10 at the time when she started college. So she got a lot of grants and a lot of academic mm-hmm. grants and things like that. But she went to my all of our children go to the, our local community college for two years which we have one of the best community colleges in the country. It's like Anne Arundel Community College in a county next door. So it's about 25 minutes away. All of our kids go there for two years. Yep. Then Just they kind of get the prereqs out of the way. Definitely. And it's so inexpensive. It is such a good school. And it's good because my kids go to college a little younger, 16 or 17, um, to start awesome. off. So it works out great. It's always been a, you know, a safe environment. It's just one of those great community colleges that we are blessed to be close to. So they do that and then they roll right into the state schools. And it's also interesting to see that my kids get into these schools that are in our state. But not only that, we have one of our colleges in our state that a lot of kids who my children grew up with who had over 4.0 for 12 years of Catholic school can't get into some of these mm. state, some of these universities as a freshman. It's ridiculous. And I look at my homeschool kids who've been homeschooled their whole life, who just roll right in because they have that, those credits from the community college. Mm-hmm. So oh, that's, that's been a huge blessing, a huge blessing. And so they, they go to the state school, which saves them a lot of money. And yep. a lot of them have commuted, and then a lot of them haven't commuted. They'll their uh, senior year they'll live on campus or get an apartment nearby campus, and they pay for all of this themselves. Our kids have learned from when they were younger that you want something, you pay for it. And really, it was mainly just our survival method, having all these kids and not making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But then, as our kids got older, we realized it was a blessing because. If they mm-hmm. wanted, if they wanted a car, they had to buy their own car and they had to pay for their car insurance and they had to pay for their gas. 
we didn't realize that being really mean parents was, was really raising amazing children. And, and to yeah, the bonus not is parents, you were yeah, helping the, raise responsible adults who knew what to do with money. Yeah. And like I said, it was survival, but the, the bonus was how they all turned out. And I say now that they're older, uh, that we have raised amazing spouses because mm-hmm. we have four married and they, I, you know, I tease their spouses and say, you know, they're never going to tell you, oh, you know, we never, you never let me get this, or I always got to go on these fancy vacations. They're so appreciative of everything, not to mention, though, the wives are amazing and I'm not a great housekeeper and I'm not a great cook. So they're never, they're always going to, anything they, their house is always going to look gorgeous to them and anything they eat is going to be amazing. So they're not going to say, oh, you don't cook as good as my mom. (laughs) They'll never say that. And they'll never say, you don't keep your house tidy like my mom. No, they'll never say that. So they make amazing spouses as well as being debt free. And then Mm -hmm. I, I look at the fact that they are, my oldest daughter just bought her third house they buy them, they fix them up, they rent them, and they have them in our town. And then my second son, my second child, he has two homes and he rents he rents one out. He's a focused missionary, so he rents his house out in Arizona while they're in Maryland and they live in a upstairs of a house in College Park and they rent out the basement. So I'm really proud of them using, even as a a missionary, using their money wisely to kind of make do and to save money to, for when times, when when you do need it. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like there's a kind of a spirit in your household of finding alternative ways to kind of back into the equation than what society typically does. So, you know, you guys have backed into the equation of college by just looking at the options and being creative and seeing, hey, where could we save money? Okay, we could start having our kids go to a community college and they can work jobs and they can save and they can apply for financial aid and scholarships. And you kind of piece together this plan to help set them up for success later on by getting a debt-free education. And I can see how that attitude is even spilled over to your kids who are now kind of, I think the word that is used is called house hacking. You know, they're owning a home, but they're finding ways to offset some of those costs by thinking creatively about it. Whereas the the norm thinking is just overload yourself with a massive mortgage and be stressed out and have student loan debt for 20 years. <laughs> and then people are miserable, but it's just because they didn't think creatively or get outside the box. And maybe in the beginning for you, it was a little bit of survival, but it seems like because you had to think differently, it actually gave you so many skills that have now set you up for success. Yes. And the other thing that it did was it you know, when my husband finally did, we had our own, we had a Christian bookstore for 10 years when we first got married. So, you know, we, I kind of tease, I said, every couple should start off poor because then you appreciate everything. You don't, (laughs) you appreciate your husband, you appreciate every little thing. And it's, and I, you know, I was raised that way. Like we, you know, we didn't take anything for granted. I, I, again, I was the youngest of nine. So my mom was grown up with her parents being in the great depression so we were taught, you know, use it up, wear it out, make 
do or do without. That was kind of like the way my mom raised us. So yeah. I'm so blessed that it came in handy, you know, raising these 14 kids that I always have a plan B. We always make, you know, this doesn't work. We make do with it and figure it out. So that was a huge blessing. And then to teach our kids that, you know, don't take anything for granted, be appreciative of everything, and then try to have them raise their kids this way in this day and age. And I know that you probably know this too, but so many Catholics right now are in the situation where they're getting in so much debt or they're college this college debt thing is just driving me mm, crazy that's out of control and something has got to give because mm -hmm. this it's getting worse and worse and when i i'm 52 so when i was in college you know to get a four-year degree was a really big deal but now all these colleges and all these jobs and all these professions are calling for master's degrees or right. other other academic things like but you need to to be practicing like my both I have two daughters who are social workers and a social work degree doesn't do much good in Maryland to practice social work you have to have a master's mm. and I'm so grateful that both my daughters got into a program in our state that was a one-year excelled master's program so not only did they get scholarships for this to again work in the state of, of Maryland but it was a one-year excelled program so they got it out of the way and they were working right away but, it, you know, if colleges keep doing this, something is going to have to give because I I know, and like I said, you probably know too, I know some people who couldn't, couldn't, uh, couldn't be accepted into a religious order because they had college debt. Right. Yeah. They're putting off their vocation and being yeah, able to. Or, or, or don't feel like it's prudent to have another child or to get mm -hmm. pregnant because they have all this college debt. Right. And my heart goes out to them because they deeply, you know, want these things. They want to fulfill whatever vocation is that God has called them to, but they have this debt hanging over their head. So I think I this is one reason why I was so happy about having this book. I want to get it out there. I wanted to get it out to parents to raise their kids this way, but to get it out to these kids before they go to college. That you don't have to go to these fancy schools. And it, right now, I, we have so my kids, particularly two that are in college, have so many friends that are paying all this money to go to these fancy schools, and they're all online. Or they're paying, <laughs> right, I know they're sitting in their bedroom at home paying right. for, <laughs> yeah. and they're paying thousands of dollars to join these sororities and fraternities, and it's they're and they're not can't do anything to zoom right. in on these yeah. meetings. And my kids are like, I don't understand. I mean, they're paying as more for their sorority than I'm paying for my community college classes. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, you know, where's this money? And not only that, whether they are blessed to have their parents do that, but then they kind of take for granted. You know, my husband and I, when we got engaged, we, I had always gone, we both had gone to public school and I was, again, the youngest of nine and, and lucky to get to go to college but I had to pay for it myself and so I never missed a class I never mm -hmm. missed a study hall or extra credit or anything because I had to do work really hard to make sure I didn't have to take that class again because yeah. first of all I'd miss out on work that I was paying for and secondly I'd have to pay for it again and my husband is the oldest of three and his parents paid for his school sent him money monthly you know he 
didn't use it wisely. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Missed a lot of classes. I'll leave it at that. And he said, there is no way that even if we have the money, I will ever pay for our kids' college because they have to learn that you should see my kids struggling when they finally realize that they're you're pending between a, a C and a B or a D and a C. Like they're working their tails off to get that Go, you know, mm-hmm. to go to those extra study sessions, to go meet with those teacher assistants, to do anything extra credit because they, first of all, they don't want to pay for it again. <laughs> and right. secondly, they're working like two part-time jobs to pay for their school or to pay for their car or to pay for their silly iPhone or their laptop or whatever, because they have to pay for this all themselves. And right. it's making them responsible. It's making them realize how much this is important to do your best and again they'll they'll call me from college when they are that usually like I said their senior year living with someone and and I remember my daughter being like mom my roommates don't even know how to start the dishwasher my roommates don't even understand the concept of emptying the trash can I just don't get it or my roommates are complaining because their parents haven't sent their check to pay for their books yet and I'm like really I'm paying for all my own stuff so and I'm glad that they're living, they're learning and living this way. And so far, so good. So the first seven are tr- wonderful, are wonderful. The second seven, we're holding our breath and praying hard <laughs> and fasting as much as we can. <laughs> Dear Lord, oh, have mercy. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I would like to switch gears just a little bit um, and talk about, you know, I think that sometimes the word frugal it ends up bringing up images of like someone separating two-ply toilet paper into one ply, sitting at home and eating ramen, saying no to everything. Uh, But, you know, I think there's a new, I think frugalism is getting a facelift, if you will, out there. And there's a new generation of us who are um, deciding that frugalism doesn't mean saying no to everything. It's reshifting your priorities and putting your money to work for the things you value and not putting it towards the things that you don't. Um, so I know that in the article that we had talked about earlier, it talked about how you and your husband go out to lunch on the 20th of the month uh, to honor your anniversary. And I thought that was so cute. And then I, of course, elbowed Jonathan of like, why don't we do anything on the 22nd? <laughs> um, it's so much easier about- now. We have all these babysitters living in our house. So just hold your breath. I tell everyone, keep having children until you have a 13-year-old, and you can leave them all home with a 13-year-old. But my 13-year-old's birthday presents is me going to the grocery store all by myself, and they get to stay home with whatever little kids are left at home. <laughs> can you share, though, just about how um, you know you guys have made in- intentional decisions to be to maybe go without some things, but then you've chosen to shift your money to prioritize other things. So you're not, you're choosing to go with the things that you value and not with the things that you don't. Yes. And it gets easier once you just kind of change your mindset. And and I agree with you right now is kind of an exciting time because I, I look at this new movement of minimalism and like the tiny house concept, like, People, my kids do not want all their junk that I've been saving all these years. They're like, no, mom, we're fine. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I've been saving this baby blanket for 30 years and you don't want it. 
But I, I am so happy that they are getting this whole simplicity lifestyle because they'll be less stressed out. And so I hope, I hope that more people kind of realize that you don't have to need all this stuff. Now, on the flip side, I feel sorry for this generation that has the social media that mm, is, you know, yes. every, and this is what I gave a talk to the college graduates who are starting off, you know, new life and vocations. And I said to them, you know, you guys are bombarded with the, you know, look at me and my new fancy coffee I just got, or look at me and my, <laughs> I'm getting this, this box of stuff every month sent to my house and look at what I got and, or I'm going to this fancy gym or I got this new outfit. Yeah or this fancy car. I mean, they're seeing pictures of it constantly. Mm -hmm. Thank God I didn't have that. And these in the weddings, I mean, don't even get me started. What these people are doing, it's like a whole week of festivities. It's just cha-ching, cha-ching, (laughs) cha-ching. I was just happy, you know, that I had a wedding dress. And, And so I think that they are bombarded with this constant vision of what's you know, true and perfect. And of course, they have to realize that that's not all real. They're not seeing the, the, the bad part of, you know, Pinterest or Instagram or whatever it is they're looking at. So I feel sorry for them. But I do like this minimalist movement because less is, is more. And I think that, you know, when they realize that we don't really need all this junk, as opposed to the generations prior that were like, the more I have, the, the mm-hmm. better I am would buy everything. So right. I well when you're not loading your expenses down with just stuff stuff stuff, you can actually make the money that's coming in even if it's not a ton really work hard for you. And I know that you'd mentioned like you're setting yourselves up to retire early. Yes, and my husband is amazing. He I just can remember where I was standing in my front yard when he handed me a piece of paper and I was like, what's this? And he's like, look at it. And, you know, I am totally not the money person. He always tells everyone the reason we can live so frugally is he knows how to manage money and I don't know how to spend it per se. Like (laughs) I don't know how to access like uh, all those things and machines and things to get more money or whatever. So I just kind of like my, he just gets nervous when I go to a garage sale or a thrift store because he knows I'm going to go crazy, but it's just, it's a, it's a win-win that, that we do this, but he handed me this piece of paper and finally I realized what it was. He had paid our house off and I thought, wow, how can you do this? And then, you know, in the beginning I was just like, this is so exciting because you know, I came from, I remember when my parents did it and it was like a huge big deal in that generation. It was kind of like, you know, kill the fatted calf and invite the whole town over. My parents have paid off their house. Right. That was a huge big deal. And here we were, you know, much younger than my parents. And we had, you know, all, I had all these, we had all these children and he had paid off the house. So I was excited. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute. I have been scrimping and saving and using cloth diapers and buying cheap cuts of meat and, you know, learning to live without. And you had all this money laying around that you're paying off our house. So it was a blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. And so he, he, he did the same thing two years ago and said, you know, if I keep up this plan, I'm going to be able to retire early. And I was like, what? Like, that's unheard of. 
And so again, you know, he has just learned to make things work. Of course, this pandemic has put us behind a little bit. But the other thing is when we do, you know, spending less to live more. So when we do put this money away for a rainy day and anybody who has a family or even a single person knows the day you, you know, pay off your car, your dishwasher breaks. So the day you yeah, finally right. put the last money into your vacation fund, you know, you have a huge medical expense. Yep. And and that this this is something we've you know learned to know and love and pray hard and be prepared. But when <laughs> but we have learned to when he did start making more money and had a better job than our having our own business, you know, he had things like insurance and things like <laughs> You know, you know, when you have your own business, paying for oh, your own insurance you. is crazy. And in yes. sick leave and vacation time, when we had all these things, we just kept living the same way. And mm -hmm. I tease mm -hmm. people and my kids tease us, you know, we would buy paper towels and that was our big splurge for the day. But <laughs> we just, we really kept living simply and tried not to spend more, even though he was finally making more money. And so right. that was a little trick that we didn't realize was really a trick. It was just surviving because we knew that, you know, with all these kids, God bless them and God help us that things were going to come up. And I share a lot about our story of flying to Arizona for my son's wedding and how much money that cost. And then I didn't dawn on me until, you know, we got home and it, it, that was in November. So Christmas is December. And we weren't crushed financially because my mm -hmm. husband was wise enough to put money away. And yeah. my son had a, a horrible tick bite incident where he literally had to have major hip surgery. That was hmm. very expensive. All all the trips to the hospital, we spent a year and a half in and out of all the best hospitals in the area, from one doctor to another, one MRI to another, you know, all these cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching expenses and medicines and, and therapy and PT and everything. And again, I was just grateful to him that he had been, we had this slush fund, you know, that we didn't paralyze our finances to have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars in these medical expenses. Mm -hmm. And we are very blessed, you know, out of 14 children, we haven't had many huge medical expenses. We have a couple punches here and there, but you know, <laughs> I know, I know so many families have heard me speak and, or, or, or will read my book and be like, you have no idea the medical expenses that, you know, having a handicapped child or something. Mm -hmm. And my heart goes out to you. And I know, and I know the good Lord takes care of everybody. And we were always so blessed that no matter how little we made every month, no matter how much our bills were coming to, something always came in the mail or we would always mm -hmm. just, God would always provide. So I'm grateful for our faith and I'm grateful for God always doing that. And I know it's hard to say, I'll trust God because you want to be responsible. You want to be prudent. Of course. But when we got married and we said we were going to be open to life and open to children and open to doing his will and being a stay-at-home mom, you know, God didn't say, you know, oh, in 10 years, I'm going to have your, you know, your sister give you a car. <laughs> and in 15 years, you're going to find this great, you know, foreclosure house. It's your dream house and a perfect yard and 
you're going to have to fix it up, but it's all going to work out. You know, God just didn't say that. He just said, trust in me, trust in me. And yep. we have had an abundance of everything. I, one of our mentors at our church used to introduce me as, this is Sam and Rob. They have everything except money <laughs> because you come to our house and, you know, four different people would give us a couch and they all were the same pattern or, or, you know, somebody would give us a lamp and it just happened to be the one that meet we needed for this corner hutch. You know, it, God was always so good. And even though it was silly and frivolous little things, we always were provided. So I, I know people will laugh and be like, I don't want to live like that. Or I don't, but it's just how God provides when you're willing to accept it. I love that. And, um, you know, our family has also just seen that providence happen over and over again. All three of our girls have come to us through adoption. And every single time we find out about the opportunity to adopt, we've had less and less time to prepare financially. (laughs) And you know what? It is always, uh, they, they joke about how, what is it like babies? have bread under their arms or something like that. Yeah. Every baby comes with a loaf of bread. Yes. Something like that. And it's just true that, you know, if you are going to say yes to um, living God's will in your life, he's always going to meet you on the other side of it. And it might not happen the way you thought it would, but it works out. Um, And I just, I love hearing your story and kind of how you guys have lived differently and how he's provided for you over the years Um, and that, you know, in many ways, just hearing you talk in this interview, your family is not deprived and slinking around thinking you're living this miserly existence. Like you guys are living a rich, fun, full life. It's just, but it's not about the dollars and cents and, um, it doesn't have to be, you're, you're living the best life for you. Uh, and I just love that you guys have, um, put that story and all the the awesome stories and lessons you've learned over the years into a book. I think it's going to be a huge blessing for so many families to feel the permission that they don't have to live uh, kind of the norm that's out there. They don't have to follow the playbook of living in debt up to your eyeballs, paycheck to paycheck, financially stressed out constantly. There is a different way. And you guys have certainly proven that, that it works to do it differently. I'm just so blessed that we have our faith because we know that God will provide and it's so hard, yeah. but when you live it and, and the book really was just an avenue to hopefully get to, cause you know, if you, you're writing a book also, when you write a book, you really can't sometimes can't really express like what you want to express. So I'm hoping to have this book will open up an opportunity for, for us to speak and to share our stories and our, our life and that it can be done. Like the, if the words in the book don't help, that maybe people will just be able to understand that they can do this too. And I can't wait to get to speak about this. And you know, if we ever have conferences again, but I love the fact that this uh, <laughs> Catholic women's summit is coming out with all these speakers. So just having the opportunity to, to make up for all this lost time we've had, you know, not being able to go to retreats and conferences and things. So to get to see this online and and to hear women share, you know, I'm not a huge fan of social media, but this is, it's really helping us survive right now. I'm connecting Mm -hmm. with my family and friends online. And uh, I have appreciated 
having things like podcasts and things to help me connect with these people I miss. I miss people. Yes, yes. And yeah, we will have conferences again someday, but you know, none of us know the timeline on that. Um, right. But again, thank you so much for being with us here on the podcast. If people want to keep up with you, Sam, where can they find you? Um, so I'm on Facebook under okay. Sam Lancaster Fatsinger. And I am on Instagram at Sam JMJ. And our book is coming out in the spring with Ave. It actually has pre-orders already. And it's called The Catholic Guide to Spending Less and Living More. And uh, so my, you can contact me. We also, I also have a blog called uh, Thy Will Be Done. It's Sam JMJ. It's uh, Baby Steps. JMJ Blogspot. So I used to do a lot more of that before we adopt. We adopted number thirteen, and so when I had when I got him, I kind of stopped blogging because re- adopted children kind of take a little extra time. Sure. As, as I was adopted too, so I love your adoption stories. So oh, I love I know that that's wonderful. I have a special place in my heart for adopted. people who have adoption in their families. So yeah, so I kind of piddle over there every once in a while um, when I have a chance. Okay, well, that's where you can keep up with her, those who are listening and want to reach out. And again, thank you so much, Sam, for being on the Wallet Win Podcast. My pleasure. God bless and keep up the good work. Thanks for joining us today. You can learn more about this show and the Wallet Win program at WalletWin.com. Music in this episode's from Dylan Gardner. Listen to his new album, Almost Real, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your music. See you next week.